Blog Talk Radio. From high atop the beach in Bodega Bay, California, it's the HR Examiner Radio Show. I'm John Sumser, and uh, today we're going to be talking a bit with Neil McCormick. Neil, how are you? Fantastic, John. It's um, while you're in Bodega Bay, I'm in the Sunshine Coast in Australia. Um, I think it's probably mid-morning your your time. It's um, uh, about 5 a.m. my time over here, so uh, and that's in the uh, in the very early of the morning for me. Um, well, but, uh, well, no well thanks for getting up. And you're in the future. You're you're tomorrow, aren't you? Well, mate, as you know, as you very well know, it takes a while to catch up to me. It does take. It, it, <laughs> it does indeed. Um, so, so the people in the audience are not going to know much about you, I think, Neil. Um, Neil, Neil is is a pretty amazing guy who is at the the forefront of what HR looks like in the global universe. Neil is is working diligently to define and implement a um, a, a workforce planning and evaluation structure that focuses. HR on business outcomes rather than the execution of efficient processes. Um, he spent a good chunk of his career working in the Asia-Pac's largest RPO and advertising agency, um, and um, we're happy to have him with us here today. So, so Neil, tell me a little bit about this big project that you have to to rationalize uh, the the meaning and impact of HR. Um, John, thank you very much. That's a, that's a lovely um, lovely introduction. Um, we have many projects on the go at the moment. I think the um, the one that is is of of great interest. Um, to both yourself and myself at this point in time is um, um, the project to um, analyse, um, assess and uh, align uh, critical roles uh, and critical capability across um, very complex organisations. Um, it, it seems like uh, uh, a very simple task um, in the initial stages if you simply say, well, you know, we'll just go out there and ask everyone who's important, um, and uh, then we'll uh, we'll make a list of those, and then we'll monitor those roles, and we'll throw some talent at it, and um, you know, we'll we'll have it all under control. Um, the unfortunate thing with that sort of concept is that most people start in the middle, and what I mean by most people start in the middle, they start with their organisation as it is, um, and they start looking at their organisation um, in terms of what they currently need and not necessarily or possibly it's even what they currently want and not necessarily what they currently need and what they certainly um, uh, don't look at is um, what their future needs are. So in a situation like that what we do is 
ask the, the very, very basic question, what is the organisational objective in terms of business or in terms of service or in terms of function, whether the organisation be you know, a private or a public sector uh, entity? And when you ask that question, um, nine times out of ten, uh, you get a few really interesting and sometimes blank looks um, across the board. Um, you know, the CEO or, or the, the head of department, etc., will typically be able to um, quote some some very meaningful um, and intelligent uh, words. But when it comes down to it, what are the organisational objectives, and then how? do those objectives relate from a human resources and a human capital viewpoint, um, that's where the hard work is. Okay, so why don't you help me understand that a little bit better. The, the, the executives give a good handshake but are a little short. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, well, well, typically there are, um, when, when we do business plans and things like that, um, typically there are um, great motherhood statements. Uh, typically, there are visions, um, but are those visions then interpreted into practical deliverables? And then are those deliverables analysed for um, functional requirements, for role requirements, for capability requirements? Um, if, if you don't actually understand what capability is required to deliver the organisational objectives, then all the dollars that you throw um, into um, the pie of, of human resources, um, if they are focused on that capability requirement, what you're literally doing is throwing money into process. So, so and, the, the, uh, unfortunately, the, the, that, that go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. Oh, so, so what you're saying is that is that is that the heart of great human capital management is a clear understanding of organizational capabilities. You start there. Is that right? Absolutely. You need to understand what the organization needs to do to deliver the objective. And in terms of human resources, um, from, from that perspective, what you then under, need to understand is um, okay, what, what are the functions that are required to deliver this requirement? What are, what's the work that's required? What are the functions? What are the roles within those functions? What are the capabilities within those roles? And, and quite honestly, you need to start with a blank sheet of paper. So, because so too what, often people... What's HR's role in that process? Um, the, the most effective position for HR um, is one of support, um, is one of um, coaching and mentoring, um, and lead basically okay. consulting. If you, if you want to put it in commercial terms, it's, it's lead consulting. It's assisting line managers, assisting managers to understand what it is they should be looking at, rather than looking at processes, etc. That, that happens, that happens automatically. The, the shakeout of all of this is a clear talent design, a clear roadmap for the future based on what is critical and what is required to deliver the organisational outcome. And then you've got your recruitment maps, you've got your talent maps, you've got your succession planning. It's a clear roadmap.
That's that's great. So so is there a way that technology helps this, or is this fundamentally a person to person process that rolls up like any uh, any <coughs> mentoring and coaching process would roll up? No, no. Um, this is a this is a total combination. The complexity is is significant. Um, um, we're currently working um, on the the practical design of tools um, that can assist organisations uh, manage and monitor this process. Um, initially and, and today, as if you look at what we do within Workforce Strategy, um, a lot of uh, a lot of the work we do is um, uh, experience based and is hands on consulting. So it is engaging. However, um, I think uh, one thing that, that lots of folks forget is that um, the whole process, this whole process is a continuous process. So while it's wonderful for um, a consulting organisation to come through your front door and um, work with you and, and give you this beautiful blueprint and then wander off into the, into the sunset, um, our approach is, is really quite different. We actually show you what you need to manage and monitor. And once you start managing and monitoring the activities, um, once you start understanding um, evidence-based uh, approaches to um, uh, the analysis of the data that you're receiving, um, it's, it's absolutely key that you have smart technology. One of the one of the big issues, uh, and John, I know that you're probably old enough to go back to the, the good old days of the first competency frameworks that were ever developed. And they sat on the backs of shelves in 99.9% .9 of organisations were never seen again because they, 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 weren't, they weren't manageable. You can't manage that realm and ream of data um, if you don't use technology. And I'm absolutely passionate about uh, getting and using technology to the, to the absolute best um, from a, um, a management, from a, a monitoring and from an analytical viewpoint. Having said that though, might I also add, if you don't understand what you need to monitor, then you can get into the world of um, the looking glass and chasing things down rabbit holes. So, so let me see if I've, I've got this right. Um, if, if, if you'll, you'll allow, um, it seems to me that you're talking about a human resource department who has as its work helping operating managers convert the people they have working for, the, for them into a measurable capability. Um, and so, and so the, the the baseline work is the the um, inventorying and auditing of that capability and the supervisor's capacity to convert the people who work for him into that capability. Is that right? Um, to a degree, to a degree, and and for for the, for the purposes of this conversation, yeah, you're not too far off the mark. Um, however, there's, there's a lot of other things that go along with that, of course. Um, and it's not just the managing and monitoring, it's also um, ensuring that um, the right capabilities 
are being um, requested, in other words, from a recruitment perspective, that, that the right capabilities um, are being sought, that the right talent um, is coming through the organisation, and that once those people are on board, that it is proved that they are the correct people and the correct capabilities that come on board, that it, they are the, the correct capabilities. They also need to monitor where the organisation is going from their, pers their perspective um, as it aligns to the organisational outcomes. Because I've, I've yet to see an organisation that stands still. You know, things change. That's why it's got to be a continuous process. So, so I think, I think if, if I were to guess about the people who listen to this radio show, I would think that um, what you've just described sounds an ocean away from what they do. And so I, I want to be sure to underline for the audience that you're doing this in practice, that this isn't some oh, made-up made hypothetical thing, that, that you are in the process of building methods and tools and taking organizations down this journey. Um, and it's, it's a real future for HR rather than some armchair view. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's, our, that's our current... Um, what, what I've just described to you is our... Is our um, current method of operation, uh, and, and you're doing might I say really that the, the organisations and the HR folk um, that, that think they're a, a world away from it. Um, I, I always like to ask these these, these folk a couple of questions. Um, the, the first one is, if, if you if you hive your day up into intersections, how much of your day is the activity trap of yesterday's problem? And how much of your day is targeted to solve tomorrow's problem? Now, sure, there's, there's a lot of people that need to focus on yesterday's problem. But if we can get out of um, the reactive space into the proactive space, what we can actually do is free up people to be able to assist managers to manage rather than solve the um, Occupation, health, and safety problem that, that you know should have been solved by the manager three weeks ago, or the, um, the the performance management issue that should have been solved, you know, 18 months ago. Um, these are the sorts of things, and and the majority, the majority of the folk that that we deal with and we talk to in the HR space that are caught in that noise, they put their hands up and say, Hallelujah! Finally. We get to be this thing called human resources support and, and support folk in this space. And, you know, that's from Asia to Australia to America. Um, it's uh, it's a, a really quite exciting um, and challenging and very, very challenging um, space to be in, but it's, it's really, really um, impactful. That's great. So, so let me take a moment and remind listeners that this is the HR Examiner radio show. We're talking with Neil McCormick, and this show is generously sponsored by DICE, the technical recruiting people. Um, so, so you know, this is, this is where we pay the rent a little bit. Um, once, once you have entered into a company and helped it move into the right place, what's the difference in a way a company recruits people 
pre and post? Or is there one? Ah, oh. um, it's not necessarily the way that people uh, recruit people, but it's the capability that the organisation looks for. Let's just think about the, the, the current process. The current process is I need six salesmen. Um, and, uh, and typically, let's go hand on heart here for a minute, typically the six salesmen are going to be six like last lot. Um, someone will pull a, um, a PD out of a, uh, or a position description out of a drawer and say, yeah, 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 give me six of those. And the organisation goes out and hires those six. And then six months later, um, someone will come along and say, oh, I need another six salesmen. So the organisation will go and hire those six. And away we go. Um, what I'm interested in when someone says, I need six salesmen, I'm going to be asking the question, well, okay, what capabilities should those folks have? And what are the capabilities that have really, really been successful and has anything changed in what you need to do um, to uh, uh, have success and, and deliver outcomes? And a lot of your listeners will probably say, yeah, 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 well, we sort of do that. But the next question is the big one. How do those people perform? The measurement isn't from a recruitment perspective in hiring six people and being successful in the process of hiring them. Where What I measure is how successful those six people are at delivering the organisational objective. Because to me, and, and quite often, quite often, I see organisations that, that proclaim that they do fantastic recruitment and they are um, maybe economic um, and efficient, but they're not effective. All they're doing is, is hiring people. They're, they're, they're filling seats. They're not actually, those people that fill the seats do not deliver on the organisational objective. Now, to me, that's an absolute waste of money. Because if you're not delivering the outcome, why are you spending the money? The same with learning management systems, the same with talent management systems. All of that analysis and reporting must directly link back to what the organisation needs to deliver. So for me and for mine, um, the change uh, is quite dramatic because it changes what people value in delivery and it changes what people look to when they're assessing the success or not of particular functions within HR. Got it, got it. So, so I'm going to guess that, that this sort of approach makes it much easier to get specific about what you need when you're looking for people in a scarce technical arena. I, I, I assume that, that this process where you start by looking at the capabilities you have, move to looking at the capabilities that you need immediately, and then on to the capabilities that you need in the future, accounts for variations in the availability of people. Is that right? Of course. Of course. What's the, what's the use of designing? Um, and, and again, this is where um, the technology, uh, this is where smart analytics, this is where um, uh, you know, smart recruitment systems come in. 
because what's the use of, of designing um, you know, a capability mix that requires individuals to be brain surgeons um, that are astronauts that have flown to the moon five times? What's the point in that? You know, it's a, it's a wasted exercise. We've got, to, we've got to bring this back to reality all the time and look at what is available in the market. Now, here's, a, here's, an, interesting, um, here's an interesting thought again. And having worked in the technology space for a long time, um, a, lot of, a lot of those um, uh, uh, leading managers will say, yes, I need five of these engineers. And you know it'll be a technical engineering specific uh, capability, um, and it'll have um, a whole range of, or it'll have, be a role uh, description with a whole range of um, skills and capabilities involved. But if you really go to the heart of this, and you start looking at what capabilities are required, and you actually understand what that looks like, then you can start to mix and match. Because we're going to end up in a world in the not too distant future, if not now, where you can't get all of the skills and capabilities you require. You can't get those people. So either if, if you look at that, that model um, and you say, well, to do this work we need 50,000 engineers. And then you go to the market and the market says, well, you can only have 20,000 of those. There's one or two things that you need to do. You either need to change your organisational objective or you need to change the work. There's, logically, to me, there's no other alternative. So how do we change the work? Well, if you do actually have that capability map, you may be able to break work out to best deliver the objective. You may be able to break work up to look at being far more effective, efficient and economic with the, the resources that you have. So that's, that's, that's really interesting. What you're talking about um, is the exact opposite of the kind of management that I think is, is the way that most organizations are managed, which is, which is you get the people that you got and you do what you can with them. Right, and so, yeah, well, and so, well, you so know, the sort you, of deep look at capabilities um, um, makes for a much more rational management process. I wonder how you train all those people to move from from trying to figure out how to turn um, lead into gold as a, as a bootstrap function into people who actually are able to predict and control the outcome of their work. That's that's. There's a, there's a huge um, effort over the last eight years, and, and John, um, the whole workforce strategy piece um, that we've developed, um, the framework um, and the, the um, program around workforce strategy um, is geared and aligned to do that. Um, what our, our true intent is, is to, to work with organisations, um, not simply to do things to them, but to educate them. Uh -huh. um, to work to to work with the leadership, to work with the managers, so that they actually understand that there is a different way to do things, and understand the benefits and see the benefits of um, working within a framework 
and understanding a framework that actually delivers to them capability they need within their group and, and their particular function to deliver the organisational objectives. It's a game changer because what happens is people aren't focused purely and simply on the five seconds of future work that they need to consider and the 6,000 uh, problems of yesterday, but they're focused on how to deliver the organisational objective and organisational outcome as it relates to them and as it relates to capability. That's interesting. So is there room in this model for causing um, first-line supervisors to stretch their capability? I mean, that's 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 the, another way of asking the question I started with, which is which is you've got X capability that you could identify an inventory, and what you'd like, I believe, is to have the first line of supervision really pushing the organization to do more and do more with less, right? Ab absolutely, absolutely. Because if you're if you're expecting these people. If you're expecting these people to make that that um, uh, leap, and sometimes a leap of faith, you also need to be able to support them um, through talent development, um, through skills development, through a whole range of services. So all of a sudden, if you, if you just think about that for a minute, if, if you've got that capability map, where are you going to put your bucks from a learning and development perspective? You're going to put it to where the best need and the best impact is going to be. It's going to be in that development of, of um, first-line managers. And, you know, we both know and everyone on this, on this call knows that the world is moving faster. You know, the, 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 the pace of decision-making and the hierarchical structure of, of management at the moment, um, we can't keep all of the intelligence in one spot. Um, at, the, at, the, at the, the, the head of the pile. Um, decision making is needing to be, be made much faster and much quicker. Um, what's happening is that the, the, focus, the, the front line, the front line um, supervisors, the front line managers need to be empowered with the skills and capability to make smart decisions. Got it. So, so just to wrap this up, uh, we've got we've got a couple of minutes left. Um, one of the things that really astonishes me about your work, and, you, and you'll understand how narrow-minded and American I can be, is that is that this isn't happening in the United States. This is happening in Australia and Asia Pac, and and this sort of visionary view of visionary view and execution of HR as a real contributor to the bottom line in an organization is something that people talk a lot about in the rest of the world, but you're actually doing it. Would you mind uh, just highlighting um, the, the real scope of your work? Because I'd, I'd like the audience to walk away from listening to this, understanding that this is a real thing. So, so how many companies, what size organizations, and like that. We've we've been working on we've been working um, on these programs for the last. Uh, let me count up now. Oh, it feels like forever. Um, yeah. But within within the workforce strategy framework um, for the last six years, um, personally, I've been working and consulting with organisations over the last twenty five years 
Um, in the early days, it was all pen and paper and, and um, uh, one-man band work. Uh, as, a, as a change agent and um, a senior manager within organisations, um, we um, about six years ago now um, uh, developed a way to to defensively um, uh, assess where an organisation is from a HR perspective. Um, all of the work that we do um, is really focused on um, evidence-based analysis um, and we look at the economy efficiency effectiveness of organisations. And the, probably the really interesting thing is that, that if, if I look across the, the breadth of the clients that we've dealt with um, here and internationally, the, the clients vary from having a problem in an area in other words, um, they'll come to us and say, look, we don't even know what we're doing with talent. Um, can you have a look at what we're doing and tell us where our holes are and tell us how to fix it? Um, other organisations say, oh, can you help us? We, we really need to understand what's critical. Um, we're lost. You know, the, the, the fog is great and the day-to-day -day activities are so, um, so intense um, that we can't get above the noise. Um, can you come in and, and um, have a look at that? Can you have a look at uh, um, our business model and are we actually, is our human resource functions aligned with delivering um, organisational objectives? Um, and then we get to the really interesting ones um, where clients come to us from a, a HR perspective and say, can you cast your eye over my organisation um, and um, assess whether the organization is aligned to the delivery of what we're trying to achieve. That's great, Neil. And I want to thank you for joining us. Um, this is John Sumter. We've been talking to Neil McCormick on the HR Examiner Radio Hour. Thanks for listening in. 